And if your father is still alive, you be sure to, if you haven't sent him a card or called him, be sure to do that. Uh, you know, you might even shock some, some of them, right? And uh, that, that you would be acting that way differently than what you may have before, before you met the Lord Jesus. Amen. So this is Father's Day. There's no ministry class tonight. And then on Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, Pastor Kevin will be coming back to minister unto us and there and as well. We invite you to come to be a part of us. Those of you that are watching online by Facebook or YouTube, we are here at 3025 Southwestwood in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, and we invite you to come and be a part. Right now, Pastor Kevin is going to come and share the message this morning. Open your heart. Get ready to receive the word that he has for us. Wow, I forgot the women's conference. Yes. On Friday, it begins Friday night at 7 o'clock, the Women's Conference, and then continues all day on Saturday and Saturday evening, and then concludes on Sunday morning. Uh, Men are invited to the evening services and to the Sunday morning service. Women uh, are mainly the focus during the day sessions on uh, Saturday, but men, if you'd like to come, I'm sure they can find something for you to do and help out. Hey, one time uh, uh, when uh, Sister Rafina was here, I was up in the camera booth up in the loft up there, and Sister Rafina got up and she started singing that victory chant, and uh, I remember uh, Mark Panagos was up there with me. He is coming, I think, and coming to relieve me, and we just got the glory hit us, and we just started laughing up there, <laughs> you know. The power of God moves when God's people get together and uh, whatever it is. So come on and be a part of that. Pastor Kevin, you ready? Xavier, yeah, good to have Xavier and Amanda with us. Come on up here, Xavier. Amanda wants to greet. She can too. Amen. These are two of our ordained ministers that are living down in Florida. Thank you, John. Yeah, let's hear a little something from you guys. Do you have anything? (laughs) It's such a different world over there and over here. I was just sharing with somebody uh, last night. It's like, you know, 12 o'clock at night, and we're hearing dogs and coyotes barking, and we're usually having somebody playing music next to us till like 2 in the morning, and so it's so different. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Spanish music. It's so cool to be back home. It's just a, it's a different feel. Uh, just to give a little bit of an update, uh, since we've moved, we've gotten a lot of answers uh, solved. One of the main reasons that we had left, uh, our kids were having a lot of health issues, specifically Seth. And since going over there, we've seen maybe six or seven different doctors, and we're finally getting the process of, we're figuring things out with what's going on with his belly. Uh, we were really afraid that it was he was going to suffer from it's called Hirschsprung's disease, and it's a disease that can affect you know uh, the digestive system. It can affect somebody when they're in their uh, late 30s, early 40s. But thank God that's not what Seth has, and so we can rule that out with uh, you know with him especially. And as for us, uh, I'm a counselor at a high school, and Amanda is the civics teacher at the middle school. 
And so it's really cool to see the how we are impacting so many different kids uh, over there. Amen. <laughs> Anything else you'd like? Uh, I can't think of anything right now. It feels so good to be with you guys. I do want to bless you guys. Uh, one of the things that I've seen uh, since moving over there, I'm very comfortable in crisis. And what that means is whenever there's something that happens at the school, uh, a suicide attempt, uh, you know, a, a fight, something big, something catastrophic, the first thing that they go is, hey, call Vasquez. He needs to come over here. <laughs> and it's really cool to be in during crisis is the moments that I find the most peace. And I think it was a lesson that we learned while we were here is in those dark times, in those moments when you feel alone, in those moments when you feel like no one's watching, when you feel like you have no support, you cling to the only thing that you know, and that's the love of God. And, man, it gets you through. We're over there, it's like we're missionaries. We, we really don't have a home church. A lot of the churches that we go to, uh, you're, you're not really a person. You're just a, a number, somebody that's visiting. And we, we've had to leave a couple of churches where we didn't feel really comfortable with that. And I can't tell you how good it feels to be in a place where they know your name, they know your story, they know they can care about you. And so that's, uh, I just speak that to you guys. That y you are blessed in this home, in this place. You guys have a pastor, a family that really cares for you, that's a huge blessing. Being without it is something that you recognize, and it's cool to be back in a place where you are loved, accepted, <laughs> forgiven, all of that. It, it's an oasis of it. And so uh, there you go. And you do own property here. Yes. <laughs> that means in the future they're going to build a house. Yes. Up that here. Is, that is the goal. We want to come back. We will come back here. We're just getting everything settled, everything fixed. To we want to come back into a place where we could just get our feet running right All there. All right. She wants to say something. Yeah. I just want to say, in two years, Elena has refused to go to kids' church until today. So Wow. <laughs> the only church she'll go to kids' church. Uh -huh. She will not. <laughs> Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. Give that to Pastor Ken yes. if you would. We have a lot of people missing today. But maybe they didn't need to hear this message as much as all of you who are here. Hallelujah. But uh, it's a privilege. Zach told me he was going on vacation and asked me if I would speak for you today. And I said, oh, I'll think, no, I will do that. I didn't have to think about it very long. But uh, anyway, God is so good. And uh, i got to see. I've got my Wednesday tabs and I got my Sunday tabs now. So, but I want to, I had to go down to the correct scripture. Amen. But it is important in being a father to follow after the Lord. You're not going to be a great father. You may be a good father and not be a Christian, and that you take care of your family, your children. Uh, maybe you can be morally upright, you can have honesty and, and good uh, principles, but it's not a full blessing of being a father without the Lord, without the Holy Spirit in your life. And so it's important, you know, to have the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've shared enough about my father in the past. He, he suffered 
he was a, a minister, a pastor, and my brother and sister received seven, eight years of good uh, times in the family home uh, until I was born. I guess I was a tornado that hit the home. I don't know. But anyway, uh, when I came along, then my father had a breakdown, and he ended up having to go to the hospital, and ha they tried various medications. You know, mental illness today is treated somewhat differently than it was in the 1960s. And so he suffered from it, and our family suffered because he couldn't work a job. He just couldn't keep it together, which was a real shame because he really was a good man. He, he loved God with all of his heart. He was a very talented man. He was smarter than me. He was more talented than me. But I got my mom's common sense. I guess I took after her side of the family in that regard. And so, uh, but he, he was so talented, anointed to sing and to preach the word. And, and he did get a little hiatus of uh, blessing right around 1981 or so. He went to a different doctor. He got on lithium for bipolar, uh, manic depression. And he just kind of like, and the Lord touched him, and he started doing so much better. He even pastored for a time. And, uh, but uh, there were side effects of that medication. So he ended up uh, kind of spiraling, spiraling down again. And so it wasn't easy for my mother. My mother is truly a saint. I mean, she endured hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. My father, he did always do devotions with us every day. He did a better job of that than I did through the years. You know, but every night at 10 o'clock, if you had the TV on, it went off, and we read the Bible, and then we prayed together as a family. And uh, so, you know, that had a lasting effect on my life. And I know that things like that do make a difference. And it, it makes a difference when fathers and grandfathers or role models that that kids look up to and I enjoy my grandkids and I I enjoyed raising my kids and I'm glad that they're grown now uh, it's a lot harder raising kids than it was grandkids but uh, I'm enjoying the grandkids a lot they go home most of the time they spend the night occasionally but uh, they go home and you know uh, myself and Lou we're, we're just heroes in their lives you know, when it's that way. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear somebody say, Papa! You know, uh, Avery used to come in to our house sometimes, and they always come in the dining room door, and I'll be sitting through the kitchen down in the TV room, and she'll say, Papa, I'm here. She announced her arrival. But uh, it's a lot of fun having grandkids. It is. But I'm going to share a message with you today that I think is pertinent and it should stir you up in your heart. And I want to say this. If you suffered in your upbringing by not having the kind of father you needed, you might have had a father that paid the bills but didn't have any spiritual input into your life. Well, you know what? God the Father, He is a good father. That's what we sing about. And God will make up the difference. And God had different people in my life 
that made up for my father's lack of, of uh, involvement. My, I had a terrific grandfather that lived next door. Uh, he was quite a character. And uh, we would, I called him, I don't know, he, he would drive a Cadillac and pull a trailer, you know, and haul junk. Of course, other people called them antiques, you know, and they paid more money than they were worth, really. And then I had uncles, such as Aunt Barbara's husband, Uncle Harold. He was a man that showed us a lot of role modeling as to what a man was supposed to be. And then my own brother was seven years older than me, and he set the tone for me in a lot of ways, too. And I had a cousin that lived up the street named Kenneth Lynn McAnulty, and he would walk with me to the ball games and things when my brother went on to college. And, and just, you know, there was always a lot of input into my life, sometimes more than I wanted, you know. I could get spanked at home, go up the street, and my Aunt Dorothy could spank me. And then I'd go down, my aunt, my grandma Neil would spank me. I, I got more spankings than any kid ever got in their life, I think. And uh, it, it made me tough. But anyway, I want to talk about the hearts of the fathers this morning. And I hope that it affects somebody in a very special way. But we're going to look at the scripture in Malachi chapter 4 in verses 5 and 6 right now. And it says there, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The Lord is going to stir up a move of God in these last days where fathers' hearts will turn to their children and children will look for their fathers. And may I say it this way, not all the time is it going to be a natural father, but it, there will be a spiritual father that you can turn to or one that can turn to you. And we, I've seen a movement in the last 20, 25 years where men of God have taken on a responsibility as a role model and a father figure to those in their congregation. Now, we know the Bible says don't call any man father. And that's why, you know, Protestants have a little issue with the Catholics because the Catholics call the priest the father. But the Bible said don't call any man father. Although, you know, we can take the role of a father. In other words, Jesus was saying when he said that, don't put your, your glory on a man. You put your glory on God. God is the one who is your Savior. He's your Lord. He's your Deliverer. He's your Healer. And I'm going to pray for some people after service today. I know a couple that need to be healed, and I've seen some tremendous healings over the years, and even this year, we've had a lot of people healed, and I've seen a lot of people healed on my trip to Mexico. I laid hands on over a 1,000 people during those three weeks that I was there, and that's not an exaggeration. That may be underestimating how many people 
I actually prayed for, but people's pain left their bodies by the hundreds. And there were things that they couldn't do that they could do after they got prayed for, specific ailments and, and hurts. So God is still a healer. He's still in the healing business. And I, I'll tell you a little bit about fathers as I get into this message because I believe it's going to take spiritual fathers to make up the difference in this world. Many will never have their natural father give them the time of day. Many don't even know where their natural fathers are or that void that's in their heart could be uh, just a vast emptiness. But I know this, all the, the lack that my father and the natural could not give me, God made it up over time. And I had some great and godly men that became my mentors. And one was Marvin Gorman from New Orleans. I went to work for him at 22 years old. And what a tremendous influence. That man loved the lost like nobody I ever knew. He would cry over people. I remember we had Kelly Blackwell bring about 20 gals from Sierra Osage, I guess, or Sears Youth Center, the girls' side, to one of the banquets that we had here, and Marvin Gorman was a speaker. And he called one of the girls out and started ministering to her by word of knowledge, and he just began to weep and cry over this girl. She broke down and cried like a baby. Then every one of those girls seemed like got up and came and got prayer, and they all cried like babies because he had such a compassion. People connect with real feelings. They connect with people that really care and that show that they have something to give them. And I know this, he will not let you down if you give him a chance. And I know others that uh, I had in my life. Kenneth Summerall, Papa Ken Summerall we called him. Uh, he was a tremendous man of God, and I got to travel with him. I traveled with both of those men, different continents and different countries around the world, and got to minister with them. And I ministered with others. Norman Parrish in Central and South America, tremendous man of God. His family started over 800 churches in Central and South America. What, a, what an honor it was for me to minister for him and with him. And I could just go on and on. Uh, but you will see that God, He knows how to pour in His Holy Spirit through people that you did not anticipate being there for you and filling in those cracks in your soul, so to speak. The hurts of your heart, He will pour it in like super glue and it will put your hearts back together again. And I know that, you know, I don't know, not everybody has liked me. I don't know why. I think I'm a pretty likable fella most of the time. But uh, I have a lot of young ministers that I've helped over the years, and uh, I've tried to be a loving pastor that would be a father uh, type to them. And many of them have looked to me that way and have looked to me for uh, direction and leading. Uh, Isaac Gutierrez probably be with us this October when we have our 20-year anniversary. But 
he and his wife met with me after they got me. I did their wedding. I dedicated their babies. I did the transition from Tino to Isaac in that church in Aguas Calientes. And Tino is a loving father, and he cares for his children. But sometimes you don't listen to your own dad very well. Can I hear an amen? Sometimes dads come on kind of strong, and so uh, the kids don't always listen. But somebody else can give the same advice, and they'll say, you know what, so-and-so told me this. And I, I always would say, well, that's what I told you. But they heard it better through somebody else sometimes. But it's okay. I'm just glad that people start to get it. But uh, Isaac and Laura met with me, and they said, you're our pastor and you're our spiritual father. Of course, I've known Isaac since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. You know, he was seven years old when I met him. Took him riding on my Honda Shadow all around the neighborhood. And they just got such a kick out of that, he and Jacob. But, you know, I became like a, a, a role model to him and to her. They both have good fathers. But they needed somebody that would speak into their life that didn't have to because they were birthed by them. You know, sometimes you need somebody that did not raise you in their household to tell you that God says you're all right, that you're going to make it, that you're going to make a difference in this world. You're going to make a difference in other people. But let me give you some good information here. But I think I should read verses 1 through 4 first. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven. And all around, uh, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Now he's talking about those that are not following him. You know, the day is going to come where the wheat, and the wheat and the chaff are separated. And he's going to bring the wheat into the barn and the chaff is going to be burned up. And there's going to be a day when judgment's going to come on the earth and there's going to be a great judgment of God and a white throne judgment and Jesus Christ is going to have to judge the living and the dead alike for what they did, who they served. Who were they committed to? If you don't know Jesus, because in John it says, He is the only way. Amen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. So the only way to God, truthfully, is through Jesus Christ. When people want to say in this world, Oh, all religions lead to God. Well, you know what? I can agree partly. All religions lead to a God. Some gods are not the God. They proclaim to be a God. The God of Islam, Allah, is not Jehovah. Amen? Uh, Muhammad is not Jesus. You know, there, there's a difference in religions. The only way to the Father is by the Son, Jesus Christ. He's the only way out of all religions that claimed that he was sinless and he died 
on the cross in our place to take the punishment of sin upon himself. So that, you know, these other religions are just uh, belief systems. They're thought processes. And I'll go so uh, far as this. Even when you exercise, a lot of people try to do yoga. They try to do yoga to get peace or whatever. But, you know, they, they put their body in all kinds of different positions. Did you know each of those positions of yoga stands for something? Very much like in uh, uh, Islam or anything else. There, there are different symbols. And that is, they are symbols of Eastern culture. So I know I can do stretching exercises that I don't have to twist to look like a certain character or a certain letter in a particular belief system. So uh, I don't meditate to New Age music and I don't meditate to uh, anything else. I meditate by the Word of God. I meditate on that. I meditate in Christian Christian music. You know, uh, the music, I, I tell you what, I wake up usually every day with a song going over and over in my mind. One of the songs that goes over and over in my mind recently, almost five out of seven of the last days, was that song about peace and joy and love. You know the one I'm talking about that they sang, uh, I think a Sunday or two ago, they sang it even. And then it goes into uh, He's the Strength and, you know, all this. It, it's wonderful. If I remembered it better, I could sing it to you, but I'm not going to try to do that right now. But that just went over and over and over in my heart, in my mind. But he says the day's coming when it's going to burn like an oven. It's going to get worse than better. Now, I'm going to tell you, it may appear to get better at some point, but eventually it's going to get worse. Evil will get darker, and righteousness will get brighter. I believe, and I think I'm prophesying by the, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the day is coming where certain cities and certain townships will become totally dark will be all darkness. And certain towns and cities will become eventually all light. And I don't know what you know or what you think, but, you know, we really pray for Poplar Bluff. Why is that? Because it was nicknamed Little Chicago back in the day, many, for decades. It was called Little Chicago. It was halfway between... Fort Worth, Dallas-Fort Worth, and Chicago. In this halfway point, they had saloons, downtown Poplar Bluff up there. They had the Dunn Hotel. And that Dunn probably didn't, that was a name, I'm sure, but, you know, they done did what they shouldn't have done at the Dunn Hotel. You know, they had a lot of wild stuff going on in our city. But it was nicknamed Little Chicago because of the corruption here and we got churches would y'all say we got a lot of churches in this city i mean they're on like every other street corner there's a church 
And like today, we're not full house. I know a lot of people that were here last week, I probably shouldn't announce I was preaching today. Maybe they would have come on. No, I'm just teasing. I think a lot of them went out of town and whatnot, vacations. Even my own son went on vacation for Father's Day. But he at least let me preach it, so that's okay. But, uh, you know, it's, it is what it is. But the day is coming where it's going to burn like an oven. And the corruption is going to be exposed. And it's going to burn up people's lives. I, I watched about three or four hours. I probably shouldn't have watched that much yesterday afternoon. I watched some television where they were talking about the narco wars, the narcotics wars. And it was talking about the Italians all the way back in the 60s and 70s that ran drug trafficking. You would not believe well, you would believe it, I guess, how much drug trafficking there was back then by the Italian mafia. And then it switched over, and out of Vietnam, you had Oriental people that were shipping. Actually, there was a couple African-American guys that were working with some Orientals out of Vietnam. They were shipping drugs in these little bags that the soldiers they were shipping them to the United States that were representing soldiers. And a lot of soldiers got on the uh, heroin. And so this one guy from North Carolina, he was getting filthy rich and running drugs out of Thailand and Vietnam to the United States. And it like quadrupled the heroin addiction in New York all the way up the East Coast to New York City. And I watched this stuff. And you just watch how the influences were, you know, and what was happening. Well, it, it, it's getting more evil all the time. And so that's why the scripture says at the end, the day's going to burn like an oven. I mean, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. And we see it. You can't even watch television. The corruption in our politics we can't even trust any of our politicians anymore. The days are getting more evil all the time. And so that's what he's talking about. He said, hey, judgment is coming. Everybody needs to wake up. And he's saying, it's not going to leave a root or a branch. There's not going to be something that's going to grow out of it. It's all going to be bad. But he says, but to you, everybody say that's me. Say it again. That's me. To you who fear my name. That doesn't mean you're afraid he's going to zap you. That means he's that you reverence who he is. How many know God is a great and awesome God? He can be a terrible God too in that he, if he applies his judgment, there wouldn't be nothing left. It'd be scorched earth. It's like when Elijah... See, he said the day is coming... When Elijah the prophet, it wasn't talking about the, the Elijah from the Old Testament. He's talking about the Elijah to come when the day comes. But he's saying, to you who fear my name, the son, and he didn't say S-O-N there. He said, son, S-U-N of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Now that's interesting because he's showing that's the brightness of His coming. The brightness of the righteousness of God is coming. 
and the wings were like the robes of the garments that that high priest would walk in to make intercession for you. Uh, righteousness, the wings, it would be in those robes. And it's likened unto when the woman that had the issue of blood, that, he, that she pressed through the crowd. There was a big crowd coming around Jesus. I mean, just all of them trying to touch him. But she had an issue of blood, see, for many years. It was incurable. And you know what? She pressed through the crowd and reached all the way and grabbed the bottom of his robes, his wings. His bottom of his robe, Nelson, had these bells and these little pomegranates or whatever on it, you know, these little fruits. And it, it was significant of being the high priest. Jesus is our high priest, amen? But see, she pressed through, grabbed the bottom of the hem of his garment, of his robe. And when she did, he said, Who touched me? Your day's burning like a fire. But he said, When the sun, when the revelation, when the light, when the brightness of his coming comes, that he is going to rise up with healing in his wings. He is the God of miracles, Sean. And that lady stretched through and touched that hem of his garment. He said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Lord, everybody's touching you. You're in the middle of a crowd. He said, no, somebody touched me, and I felt the virtue of healing power leave my body. I'm paraphrasing. That's what happened. See, God uses us, too, to lay hands and touch people and to pray for them. And I've had people come up and grab a hold of me. And oh, I'm a mere man, but they know the anointing is flowing and operating. Man, those Mexican people down there in Mexico would come up and grab me. I mean, they'll do all kinds of stuff. They'll grab your handkerchief. They'll grab anything they can. They want you to lay your hand on them and pray for them. And it's amazing because after doing that over about 100 to 150 people in a service, you know what I would feel? What's your name? Dylan. Dylan. You know what I'd feel, Dylan? I would feel barracho in a spiritus santo. That means I felt drunk in the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Ghost is flowing like that, virtue, I mean, I'd be like, whoa. What is going on in this place? Because you would feel that power leaving you and going in. Did you know your body's what, 75, 80% water? You got electrons and protons and all this stuff going on. You are a walking power plant. You can't live unless the electricity of God is flowing in you. He created you to be your own power plant so that you could function. That's why you have dopamine that goes to other parts of your brain. You've got all these signals going out through your body. And your, your own system will heal your body, Lois. I mean, the power of God will flow through you and touch yourself. I mean, 
how many of y'all got a, a pain in your neck or your head right now? Just raise your wave at me or something. Okay? Go ahead and just put your, your hand on the back of your head there, your neck. You know you got power that can flow out of your own hand into your own body? Yeah, in the name of Jesus, just agree and believe with me right now. Right now, Lord, touch them, see? But I could feel that flow, and that's why my hand will turn red as a beat, and then it gets white as snow in the very center. It's turning white right now in the very center of my hand because I'm talking about it. You see, that energy, and the devil knows about energy too. That's why you got new age people talking about kinetic energy flowing through different ones that can wave their hands over you and they think that that heals you. Well, there is a lot of principles of that stuff going on. But it doesn't mean it's the righteousness of God doing it. I mean, you can get touched. There's power in the enemy too. He has power, but his power is not as good as God's. God's is greater. But he goes on, he says, So to those who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Well, you know what? I can resemble that sometimes. You know, I feel good. I'll go out, out, man, get fed. I ate at Parker's last night about 5.30. Had fried chicken, pork chops, fish, Judah. And Sean were with us, and Judah just loved that fish. I mean, he grabbed that fish in his fist and just chomped down on that fried catfish. He ate it until that one was gone. He got him another one and ate it until it was gone. He ate him a chicken leg. That little boy can eat. But he was having him a time. But he said, when you have the righteousness and you got healing, you're going to grow and you're going to be satisfied and full. And he said, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. And remember the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. You see, and then he said, And the day is coming that he's going to send Elijah. Well, guess what? John the Baptist came. He was probably long-haired and he had a beard. He'd come out, you know, kind of like a wild man. They said he ate locusts and honey even. And I don't think he was eating crickets or whatever. Locust was a nickname for the carob nuts that would come off the tree. And carob was used al along with chocolate. What it was is John the Baptist had a sweet tooth. And so the nickname for locust, for a carob, was locust. So he wasn't really eating the locust. You know, you don't get no picture of these bugs in his beard. Oh, yeah, let me grab one of those. Crunch, crunch, crunch. No, he ate the carobs with the honey like we would eat the carob with the chocolate. You know, it was good. It was sweet. It was tasty. But he came out of the wilderness like that, and he was prophesying the one to come. And Jesus come along, and he baptized him in water, and he came out like the preacher last week said, Dr. Hawkins, about how the, the dove merged. And he saw it. 
Maybe not everybody else saw it, but John the Baptist saw it. He said, oh, my goodness, this is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He was the righteous one that rose with healing in his wings. And his ministry started after that, and he healed everybody. He healed everything in sight. He would go into a community, and they would say, and he healed them all. They were blind, he had opened their eyes. They were deaf, he had opened their ears. They were lame, they would walk. They were dead, he would raise them from being dead to life. I mean, Jesus had it all. He was powerful. Well, he was that son of righteousness. The revelation, the exposure of the light of God into this world with healing in his robes, in his wings. Everywhere he went, there was healing. So you want to know what a good church is? One that embraces the healing power of Almighty God by the name of Jesus Christ. Anyway, I got all caught up in that. That's all right. Good preaching, Pastor. I enjoyed it. <clears throat> Let me give you some information. Father's Day originated June 19th. 1910, Brother Dave, in your home state, the state of Washington. That's where Father's Day started. And then Richard Nixon signed it into law in 1972. That's one of the good things he did. You know, he did some other things that weren't so good, like he took us off the gold standard. No wonder we have such inflation and wild money stuff going on today, you know. Anyhow, I won't get into that. I'll avoid it. But let me tell you about fathering. 80% of single parents' homes are led by mothers. 80%. Okay, it's not always a woman's choice that the father left. Most of the time it's not. Most men that grow up that way, they don't have... The maturity. And let me say this. Some of you may have suffered and gone through divorces and whatnot, but maybe you were not taught. Maybe you were not led to learn how to be a good father. You know what? It takes an example for somebody to follow something. Amen? They don't just send all the kids. I think it would be a good idea if they'd send all the teenagers in high school to a fathering class and a mothering class and teach them about being a parent, what it takes. Maybe if they showed some childbirthing, a lot of the girls wouldn't want to have babies in high school. You know, they'd see how much pain it is. But anyway, I'll get off that kick. But 25% uh, of all youth, that's 19 and a half million, 19 and a half million grow up without a father today. 20 million, you could say, that are growing up in the United States don't have a dad in the home today. And, uh, you know, I had a dad, but he was medicated all the time. He'd wake up, and it was time to go to bed, lead us in Bible study. That was a good part. But the other part, he didn't teach me how to mow the lawn. He didn't teach me how to drive a nail with a hammer. He didn't teach me the practical stuff. But I had a grandpa. 
Can everybody say amen that you might have had a grandpa along the way or an uncle, somebody to teach you something about life? But you see, according to the, the statistics, 72% of population are fatherless is the most significant family social problem in the United States. Or 72% of the population says that father, fatherlessness is the biggest problem in America today. Kids from a fatherless home are more likely to be in poverty, drugs, alcohol, and in prison. They, then we got what we call the father-daughter syndrome. Daddy issues, they call it. More likely, those that have daddy issues are more likely to have negative life coping skills. They are involved in promiscuity, avoidance of intimacy. Intimacy is not just giving somebody a hug and a kiss. Intimacy is where you can have a close relationship to be able to talk about life and its issues, things that are going on. I like when my kids would talk to me about what they're going through and that I could give them some good advice. Sometimes, though, advice seems like you're talking down to them, and I didn't ever want to do that, but probably I did at times. But also isolation, depression, and anxiety comes out of it when they have daddy issues. And then, in the United States, ages 15 to 49, 55% had not fathered. Wait, wait a minute. Let me get my statistics right. In the United States, ages 15 to 49, 55% had not fathered a child. 15% had fathered one. 17% had fathered two. 8% had fathered three. And 4% fathered four or above. I'm in the upper 96th percentile. I fathered four and two miscarriages. <coughs> so... But that tells you something, that there is not a great desire to just father children. Now, this is what I read too. Fathers can come back if they mature. Amen? In other words... They might be out of the picture, but they can come back into the picture if they get matured. Now, fathers nurture happiness, well-being, social, and academic success. So if you got a father involved, then you're going to have some good nurturing, some good success. Now, pain and trauma and identity crisis comes from a lack of fathering. A lot of people suffer traumatically when they don't have a father in the picture. And since there's a big thing about transgender going on in today's society, I don't know if you notice 
uh, what was it? Uh, what's the coffee company called? Starbucks has pulled all their colored signs that represent transgender out of their stores. Many of their stores are being closed. You want to know why? I'll tell you, 6.8% of the United States is homosexual, supposedly. That means 95%, 94% are not. Well, most people that are transgender have a messed up identity. So guess what? Only 12% of transgender ever father a child. Only 12%. Can I tell you the lowdown? The devil's agenda is that if I can't get a woman to abort the baby, maybe we can turn them into a homosexual, then they'll never have a baby unless they go get a sperm donor, or maybe if we can confuse their identity, they won't want to have a baby. See, His identity is to stop procreation. The devil's identity for mankind is to try to destroy our ability to reproduce. See, John and Chelsea will have this baby, and that baby can grow up in church and grow to love God. Courtney and Nick have two little girls that come to church almost every Sunday, and they know right from wrong, and they're being taught in our children's church. Zach and Danielle got a beautiful little girl, and hopefully they're going to have something else. I'm not announcing anything. I wish I could just prophetically say it. I'm going to prophetically step out there and say, they will have another baby. And if they cooperate, it will happen. <laughs> Jarvis, you're about to have a little baby. Is it a girl or boy, can you say? A little boy? Well, see, if he keeps coming to church and bring him to church, he'll grow up to be a man of God. I don't know if your father went to church or if he was in your home. but All right. Well, see, you're here today. See, even when you kind of walk away, you usually can return pretty easily when you had some influence in your life of it. Amen? See, in the Tower of Babel, I know I'm getting off something. I'm, I should be getting done by now. But let me just tell you something. Remember Jake Holmes that used to be with us? He would point his finger and say, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. In the book of Genesis chapter 11, those first nine verses talk about how the world got together and they all spoke the same language and they started making bricks and they started building this tower that will go all the way into heaven and they had it going, I'm telling you. And so uh, the Lord said, the Lord came down in verse 5 to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. See, on top of that tower, they built an idolatrous altar that wasn't serving Jehovah. It was serving the pagan gods. 
And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language, and this is what they began to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. See, in those days, can you imagine? Adam had such power because he, he had access to 100% of his brain. He named every plant, every insect, every animal, every creature. He had an intellect of a mental giant because he had nothing wrong with him. And in the book of Genesis, first 11 chapters, those people knew how to move in power. And they were moving in power to the wrong gods. And so God came down and said, we can't have this. So he said, verse 7, Come, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel. A baby babbles. You can't understand what it's saying. But he said, Because the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. So you see, he had to stop it because they were going in the wrong direction as the race, the human race. And so they couldn't work together. You can't work together unless you can understand one another in some way, either by sign language, drawing a picture. I mean, an architect could read plans from another language probably and figure things out but they could not speak the same language so no more could they get along and then he scattered them all over and now you've got you got those in Africa and Kenya they speak Kiswahili and Egypt they speak Egyptian uh, language in Israel they speak Hebrew and Arabic and Italy they speak Italian and they use their hands a lot to show what they're saying. Let me tell you something. This is your father. The Godfather. <laughs> Brother Gorman used to call Tino Tito. This is a sidebar. And uh, we got our little Maltese 16 years ago. And I taught, teased Tino. I said... How you how you doing, Tito? And he would get, you know, I'd irritate him. And so we named our little Maltese Tito. And I told Tino, I said, you know, you are his dog father. <laughs> you know, we have decided that you are his dog father. Like somebody has a godfather. We said, you're his dog father. Because, you know, Brother Gorman named you Tito. We named our dog Tito. So now... You know, you got to take care of him if something happens to us. And he he would, oh, Pastor Kevin, you're crazy. You know. But you see, all this confusion. But our brother last week talked about on the day of Pentecost what happened. They were waiting after Jesus had ascended. And he told them, go wait. The Holy Ghost is coming. And they waited. 
and he thought it might have been part of the temple. I still think I visited a room over there they called the upper room, and it was a large room. It could fit fit five, six hundred people in there. But in that room, there was 120 left. Actually, 500 had seen him after he resurrected, but only 120 stayed around long enough for the Holy Spirit to come. Ten days after Jesus ascended, the Holy Ghost arrived. He arrived like a freight train, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. You know, it was like a big train coming through town. And then there was a fire that came down, the cloven tongues of fire on top of all their heads. And they all spoke in other languages as the Spirit gave utterance. They were all speaking God's language. See, God confused them at the Tower of Babel, and then He infused them and brought them into unity on the day of Pentecost. And the one that was prophesied in Malachi said, the day is coming, it's going to burn things up, but the one Elijah's coming in advance, that was John the Baptist. That was the Elijah that was prophesied to come. And he announced the coming of the Messiah, and then when Jesus gets baptized, the Holy Spirit, man, explodes in the world. And Jesus raises up 12 disciples, that eventually raise up an army. At the day after the day of Pentecost, or on that day, 3,000 souls heard Peter prophesying, and they got saved. You talk about revival. It's coming. It's burning. It's moving. The power of God is available. And there's healing available. Now, because of the Holy Ghost, Jesus ascended, and the Holy Spirit came, and all of us got filled, then we are like little parts of Jesus, or little Jesuses, if I can put it that way, to the world. We come in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, to do the work of Jesus. So we can introduce people to Jesus. How many times I've traveled and gone places, people look at me, and not saying I'm good looking or anything, they looked me in the eyes and said, we see Jesus in you. Because when you care, they can see something. They see the brightness of the righteousness, the revelation of Christ that lives in us, and the power of the Holy Spirit moving, see, so that healing can come, and we can be used by God. And Jesus himself excitedly announces, says, not only will you do what I do, but greater things shall you do. That's because we're all moving as representatives of Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit came and unified instead of dividing. The devil divides, God unifies. And because of that, the power of God moves. Amen? Hallelujah! God, we give you praise. And I don't think I need to preach any more about that. I think I just ought to anoint a few people with oil, those that need it. Nelson, you brought a friend that needs prayer, didn't you? Yes, I want to pray for you. Come on up here, young lady.
and anybody else. Who who else needs a touch in your physical body? You can just come right up here to me. What's your first name? Cassandra. I like that name. That's a beautiful name. It really is. Do they call you Cassie? Can I call you Cassie? Okay. Anybody else need healing your body? Come on up. Otherwise, I need a Holy Spirit-filled lady to come and stand with her, if you would. I'm going to pray for her. And I won't say what it is. Nelson, talk to me about what you're going through. And they're standing next to you. How old are you? 27. Well, you know what? God wants you to live a long time. Have you accepted Jesus in your heart? You have? Well, he's your Savior. Amen. Well, you know what? The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name that we can receive what we ask for. Now, I know what is wrong with you. I've prayed for people, everything from diabetes to AIDS. I've prayed for people that have had hepatitis B, C. I've prayed for every kind of blood disorder. I've had people with leukemia healed. I've had people that have other kinds of ailments healed. So I believe God's going to touch you today. And you're going to receive something special. Let's agree for Cassandra today. Everybody stretch your hand towards me. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come before you with a humble heart today because you love your children. Cassandra has confessed that she has made you Savior and Lord of her life. And I agree with her today that you can touch her body, soul, and spirit. You can touch her blood, bones, and, and muscle. You can touch all the parts of her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit's power and fire to go inside of her body and burn out anything that is not of you and heal her, touch her, completely Lord in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and I give you praise oh God right now and I thank you for the healing of God in her life hallelujah praise you Lord thank you Jesus amen did you feel anything Absolutely. what did you feel a heat relief. Relief? relief amen well you know what you're a precious thank child you. of God and we love you I'm so glad you came today. And I'm going to look forward to hearing a good report when you go back to the doctor. Yes. Well, you're welcome. She felt a relief. Well, you know what? That's a release of God's power. Give me a couple men behind here. Lord, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for Philip. How he's changing day by day and week by week, month by month, that you have your hand upon his life. And I thank you, Lord, that he is part of our body here, that he belongs in this church, and that he is being raised up to be a great man of God. And I thank you for the touch in him, body, soul, and spirit. I thank you for the miracle-working power by the hand of God that you do something special within him, through him, and around him. Let him
let him touch others like he's been touched. In Jesus Christ's name. By your stripes we are healed. Thank you, Lord. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we know you love Seth. You love children. Seems like he loves kids more than he loves adults, doesn't it? Well, you know what? God allowed this infirmity so that you would have an awesome testimony one day to share with other people because you are called to be a great man of God with many talents and so I anoint you today Seth and I thank God for your life from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet stomach, intestinal disorders be gone in Jesus name 100% let the fire of God burn deep inside of him and bring complete healing to him every part of him Jesus right now hallelujah we glorify you thank you Lord I've known him since he was born you've kept your hand upon him God I ask you to just bless him bless him with energy bless him with an ability to eat whatever he wants to eat and take this dastardly disease away from him we command it to be so we command infirmities to be destroyed off of him and out of him and for healing power to flow into him right now. Thank you, Jesus. Touch. Let his system work 100% rightly and properly. Let him be normal in every way. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I just take his hand and I bless his hands be able to play music that violin and guitars whatever he puts his hand to let him prosper in the name of Jesus yes let him be anointed let people hear him and know he is a blessing in Jesus Christ's name amen did y'all drive up here you did you know what I'm going to do I'm going to give you my globe in my office. He likes globes. And you know what? I don't even hardly ever look at it. But I'm going to give it. Do you want it? Give me five. All right. Don't forget to see me after church today. I'll give it to you. I keep meaning to go buy him one. I just felt the Lord say, you don't need that globe in your office. Give it to him. Amen. You need a touch from heaven? Lord, touch Nelson. He loves people, he loves family, and he loves you most of all. He wants to be a powerful witness of your love, God. Use him mightily. Yes, Lord, and touch his body from the crown of his head to the bottom of his feet. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We give you praise, honor, and glory right now for it. Yes, Lord, touch, 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 touch. Huh? 
Hallelujah. Amen. I feel the glory of God, don't you? Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Sister Virginia, I'm believing that people are going to come to this women's conference this coming week that have never come before. And that God is going to touch them in a special way. What I feel is God is going to save some people this time more than you've had saved in the past at the women's conferences. Women are going to come in and believe in Jesus and that God's going to bring them in. There will be some inner healing happen. Lots of people are going to be healed on the inside at this conference, more than on the outside even, that are going to just they're going to weep and cry when they get prayer, and God is going to put their hearts back together again. You're going to have a real inner healing move of God. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Somebody is doing something maybe with business or I don't know what, but there's a couple of changes happening and you're wondering if you're headed in the right direction. Who is that? Yeah. Okay, anybody else? Yeah. Come right out and stand there. Pray for you right here. Yeah. God is telling me to tell you it is right. So don't let the dust grow under or the grass grow under your feet. Go go forward in Jesus' name and see what happens. It's gonna be good, not bad. He's meaning this change for good. Yeah. I just sense and feel it's like tweaking the screws. It's like he's tightening the screws. Get ready. It's like a boat that goes in the ocean. He wants all the parts to be strong to endure the storm. Because you're going through it. And God is going to bring a great harvest. You know, I watch those shows on TV. And they have all these storms come. They, they catch a huge tuna. That thing be worth seven or $8,000. And I see the Lord blessing you hands over fist with the finances that you need to do what you got to do and he's allowed a squeezing down to a certain point and I know y'all got a blessing recently I think either you or Sister Virginia shared that testimony but that's just a thimble full of what he's going to do I mean it's about to hit the hurricane doesn't have to be a destruction can actually be a correction and God's going to pour it out yeah wow that's kind of funny yeah I, I see vineyards for some reason and I don't think you're growing any grapes out there but I see like vineyards and of course grapes produce wine and I believe it's representing the new wine of the Holy Spirit it's like he's going to allow the grapes to come forth so the new wine can flow. Hallelujah. It's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Hallelujah. Yes. And the oil. The wine and the oil. Glory to God. It's good. Yes. And this closing of a chapter in your life For good, not evil. It's 
blessing coming. Yeah. More than one. Yeah. I see a restoration of some relationships. bad with kids or grandkids but I see a restoration of relationships that God's bringing and he's correcting he's making it right amen is that good He's gonna, he's gonna multiply. I don't know how that will happen or when, but the timing is drawing closer. It's like you've been in the wilderness, but when Jesus came out after those forty days, he was full of power. But the devil comes when you're in the wilderness, trying to discourage you. He tried to get Jesus to break the word. But you know what? The stronger you get in the word right now is going to help you multiply your business in the future. Yeah. Some really cool things are going to happen. Yeah. I see, I see an insignia on the side of a van, but it's not like a minivan. It's like moving van, not not like what John uses, not a huge one. You know what I'm talking about. What do they call those smaller vans? Uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of, you know, cargo van. That's right. I see a cargo van that's going to actually take what you produce or got equipment in it or something going places. And so, you'll start seeing, all of a sudden, now you're going to start seeing cargo vans everywhere with insignias on the side, which you didn't really notice before. And that'll be a sign to you to start praying, and you're going to see it spiritually in your mind, what's on the side of it. Yeah, and I'm not sure it's the same thing that you thought before, for he says it's more, and it's greater than you know. It's more than you knew before greater than you know and even the desire that you had before is not going to be the desire that you'll have now and in the future because it's far greater than you know that sounds like a, a mystery doesn't it a little bit but that's what God is saying it's greater than you know get ready looked at you, the word came to me, the steps of the righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And he's ordered your steps. It's kind of like a military man that gets his orders. And he's telling, gonna, 
it's going to become plain what those are and what it means because his hand has been on you for many, many, many years and he's brought you thus far for a reason and for a purpose. And he said, you're not on furlough. You're on the mark right now getting set to blast off to go in the direction that you need to be. And it might have something to do with the time of life and your age, too, that you're going to be able to tweak things and make some course dynamics and corrections, that you're going to be able to change some things. And it's all good. It's not bad. It's good. God has his hand on you for these things. You're a coach, not a sports, but a coach for leaders, for life. God's got his hand on you for life, for leadership. And that furlough or, you know, sometimes we enjoy a little bit of downtime but he said, that is over. That's time. And I don't think you're going to go out so far anymore. He's got something to where you can operate right at home. And it's coming. It's coming soon. Get ready for it. I know you're already ready. You're past ready. Yeah. Well, it's yours. Everybody say yes. You got a lot of agreement with you on that. You get ready because everything's going to change. It's going to happen. Amen. Peace and prosperity is yours. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I hear the Lord saying also, enjoy your life. Enjoy it. I don't know what your hobbies are, but get one. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, Tim, the Lord bless the work of your hands and bless your strength and your mind to stick to the path. For the devil would like to sift you like wheat, but the Lord has prayed for you. He's prayed to keep you in the way, the righteous way. So allow, this is what I hear, allow the dust to settle because the stirring of the dust. You ever see, you've been mowing yards, but you, I've been watching people in these farm fields, the tractor's going and the dust is just everywhere. I mean, it's a cloud, it's dirt. And the Lord said, you've had a cloud around you. Let the dust settle. And then you're going to see clearly the way God wants you to go and what he wants you to do. Amen. His peace is with you. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, you, Philip, you're like David. You're a man after God's own heart. And because of that, he gives you a key, Revelation chapter 3. 
Yeah, the key is being a man after God's own heart. A lot of people thought it was praise and worship, being a praise and worship. But being a man after God's own heart is the key of David. And you watch, even those from the synagogue of Satan will have to kneel at your feet. That means that all those that are new age and occult and cultic and everything else will not argue with you anymore because the hand of God is upon you to bring you through to be a righteous witness of the power of Almighty God in your life and your family. And you're blessed in Jesus' name because it's a walk in the blessing. Yeah, you watch it. The blessing is going to overtake you. Hallelujah. Amen. My sister from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. They got good barbecue down there, don't they? <laughs> yeah, I lived there a whole summer one time. Worked in a church. Those people are so sweet. 